Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. It's April 1st. You know what that is, sisters. April Fool's Day. Happy April Fool's Day to all of you. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa Monica, California, joined in Pasadena by my sister, Leanne Dolan. Leanne, how are you celebrating April Liz, Fool's this Day? Is my, this is my least favorite holiday. There's nothing I hate more than practical jokes. <laughs> nothing? Like nothing. Nothing. them. I, I hate them. Okay. Okay. So we more than anything. <laughs> okay. Well. I can't stand <laughs> Just south of there in South Pasadena is Sheila Dolan. How are you today, Sheila? Hey, ladies. I feel like every day of my life is a practical joke on me. So <laughs> this holiday means nothing. <laughs> and uh, Julie, you're in Dallas, Texas. You were here in Santa Monica this week. Uh, more on that later. But how's April Fool's Day at your house? Well, I'm celebrating it international style, which is, you know, the French always put a fish on their back on April Fool's Day. I never understood it, and I still don't understand it. But there you have it. So you're playing Faire le Poisson or something? <laughs> Porte le Poisson? <laughs> they like to slap fishes, little pink fishes on their backs. Oh, okay. Oh. Anyway, I know we have, Monica is otherwise occupied today, but uh, four out of five satellite sisters here. Uh, I was away all week, so, uh, Leanne, did I, what did I, what I miss this week? Liz. You missed you missed the best week of in America like in a long time because I am sorry that you were in Barcelona but this whole country had lottery fever Liz and it was awesome wasn't it Julie and Sheila oh, didn't you feel God. a bonding it's yeah. been a bonding Liz like we haven't had since September 11th I mean this was a country of winners this was a country Yes, this was a country forged in a single purpose for the first time in a decade, and that was to win the freaking lottery so we could all quit our jobs, okay? (laughs) Oh, that sounds very uplifting. Oh, Liz, it was awesome. I had more conversations with complete strangers this week on what are you going to do when you win the lottery? What are you going to do when you win the lottery? (laughs) We should have a half a billion dollar lottery every week. (laughs) The country's problems would be solved. So, I mean, it was fantastic. And Julie bought everyone lottery tickets, which was very kind of her. Oh, yes, Julie, you left one on my dining room table Friday night when I got home from being away all week. I was very happy to see it. I wasn't sure what the context was. But now I understand. Lottery fever while I was gone. That's right. It was the best week in America in history. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Leanne, you're absolutely right. I mean, you really... And, you know, even though the odds were, what, one in 176 million to one, and they kept telling you there were lots of stories about, oh, it's easier to get struck by lightning, or, <laughs> oh, lottery right. winners, you don't want to be a lottery winners because the history of lottery winners, terrible things happen to them. A lot of them have a higher rate of divorce. They go through all the money. You, you didn't care. You didn't care. You wanted you didn't to. care. No, no, no. Everybody yeah. was psyched. And everyone, I was, I was out in Santa Monica visiting mom and dad and they, mom and dad each had a plan for what they were going to do with with their winnings, which was mom announced that she was going to buy a Rolls Royce and get a chauffeur. (laughs) She's tired of taking that Santa Monica blue bus. 
This is because she no longer drives, and this is really what she wants to do. That's, and then we asked Dad, what, well, what, did he, you know, what was he going to do with his winnings? And he said he wasn't going to tell any of us. So, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was very funny, too, in a different way. You yeah. know, that he was, he was going to keep it a secret, but he had big plans for his, for his winnings. So, but now, so here was the deal, Liz. We were all, you know, we were all bonded. We yeah. all had plans for our winning. Yeah. I pretty much believe 95% of the country, except those poor people in Alaska and Nevada who couldn't buy tickets. And all the rest of us left work on Friday, turned to our coworkers and said, so long sucker. You know, cause I'm not coming back. <laughs> I mean, that was the thing. Like, that's a nice feeling. You had. You had higher chances of getting killed by a vending machine, as they told us uh, nonstop last week. (laughs) Everyone thought for one second they were going to be the winners. And so, like millions of Americans, I logged into my computer at like 8.01, pretty sure. I had two tickets. I had one that I had bought myself, and I told Julie, I'm not splitting the winnings from that one. The (laughs) one that Julie bought me, I was willing to share. But I just wanted to declare I had my own ticket, so I didn't want her to take credit for my winnings. Oh, okay. And, like, in one instant, all my dreams were dashed. You know, the whole collective American feeling of optimism was gone because... I looked at the numbers. My first thought was I didn't win. And my second thought was I hope no one wins, which is not very nice. No, that's not. You You didn't even wish for one of us to win? No, well, you did say I hope no one wins. You did send me a very... And then I sent Julie a text. Yeah, I was like, I didn't win, did you? Yes. Yeah, that's right. It was... It was a total letdown. And then yesterday I was angry and I was bitter, Liz. When I heard... There were three freaking winners, like, in places like Maryland. I was like, what is going on? I, I went from, yeah, we're all in this together, to, I don't want anyone to win. Because you know what, Liz? If no one had won, you know what the drawing was going to be the next week? A billion dollars. Really? <laughs> and if there's any, anything better than winning a half a billion, it's winning a full billion. And uh, you definitely so would have won that, land. You definitely would have won the I, I definitely... I totally would have won the billion dollars. I know. So, uh, so did bitter. you have did you have plans, actual plans for the half a billion? Yeah, you know, I, I was going to refinish the hardwood floors because <laughs> that we needed that done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're going to have some money left over from that. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna start small. I can tell you what I wasn't going to do for a while: a podcast in my closet. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'll be honest about that. Julie, did you have plans for the half a billion? I, yes, Liz. Um, I, you know, I wanted to travel some more. I definitely wanted to do that. Um, and I wanted to give some of it away. I was going to give some to family members. Um, nice. that are not- oh, Julie, you know what Julie was going to do? She says travel some more. She was like, I'm buying a G5. I'm buying a private jet right away. <laughs> that was, that was, Don't be. Travel more. You wanted to travel alone in your own private chat. I plane. I really wanted my own plane. That's what I wanted to get. Sheila, were you playing this game with yourself? Too? I missed all the fun. No, I was at a baby shower and a lovely baby shower. And instead of talking about the baby, everyone was talking about the lottery. <laughs> I thought it was in very. See what I mean, Liz? Mm, mm-hmm. It was awesome. It was awesome for one day, and then you know just bad. a big country of losers. I know, lately, and do you know how bad work is going to be on Monday for the, the, for America? It's everybody is going to be so depressed because we all, I so know. more people lost than won, right? 
Well, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> Those are the odds, Jewel. <laughs> All right, well, just to try to lift this up a little bit, so we're not just a totally a nation of losers. I thought the reason I knew something unusual was going on, even though I, I was on another continent, shielded from the big headline, I could tell from people's posts on Facebook and things on Twitter that there was some lottery dialogue happening in America that I was not a part of. And I specifically noticed it uh, on the Satellite Sisters Facebook page. So let's just establish, just to remind ourselves, feel like winners here for a second. Today, April 1st, is actually the 12th anniversary of us doing Satellite Sisters. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Well, it's, yes. So we, our first show aired April 1st, 2000. It was when we were on public radio. So we aired originally in just four cities. It was New York, Chicago, Detroit, and Los Angeles. And we did that for a few years. And there were all of those years we were on ABC, where we were on, again, 100 cities. And then now we've been doing the podcast for however many years that is. But 12 years, stick, sticking with it. I, I, I think that's really a big deal. I, and so do Jill and William, who posted on our Satellite Sisters Facebook group that if they won the lottery, the first thing they were going to do with their money is sponsor Satellite Sisters. Don't oh. you think that's very nice? Um, that's yes. super nice. Yes. We really appreciate that. I'd like to also add. I'd like to also add Mary's name to that list because she said she was going to sponsor Chaos Chronicles, and then she added you guys too because she didn't want you to feel bad. Okay. So, because uh, <laughs> again, when you have half a billion, you can probably sponsor two podcasts. <laughs> I, I think I said you could own us outright. Like you could just buy us lock, stock, and barrel. So. We would do whatever we want if that's the kind of cash. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so as long as we're talking about anniversary mailbag, special anniversary edition, Jennifer posted a question on our Facebook group uh, that, is there a guide to our audio archive? She would appreciate it if she knew what was the content of each show. And Jennifer, that's an excellent idea. That really is an excellent idea. We have not gotten around to that yet. I might figure out if there's a crowdsourcing solution to that, where as you listen to things, you could then post what was actually on that show. Because we have years of shows up there, and but we don't have that level of granularity, as they like to say, in all things online. But Jennifer also wanted to know, she specifically wanted to re-listen to the Gracie Award-winning sports bra episode oh, that, that yeah. Sheila, you and Monica did uh, a sports bra investigation um, on Satellite Sisters. And you know what, Jennifer, just to celebrate the 12th anniversary of Satellite Sisters, I have that somewhere here on a CD, on sort of a greatest hit CD. So I will, later this week, as soon as I find it, I will get around to reposting that show. <laughs> so you will not have to search entirely through the archives. We will just distribute that as a second special anniversary show this week, okay? Oh, wow. That's a freebie. That's great. Yeah. Well, they're all freebies, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Maybe that's our problem. <laughs> and then, um, Leon, I noticed that both on your Chaos Chronicles blog and on Satellite Sisters, uh, that Michelle and Christina were very active in helping you sort out your new timeline. You actually dove in and decided to embrace the new Facebook configuration and figured out how to make the most of the timeline format, correct? 
I tried because I just didn't want to give Facebook the satisfaction of doing it for me. You know, so within hours of the mandatory switchover, I managed to find a cover photo and get get another photo and reorganize things. There's still a lot of work to be done because they make you now like timeline your entire life, which, you know, was there life before Facebook? I don't know. (laughs) And, uh, but I, I'm getting on it. And I did, then I did the Pretender Satellite Sisters Facebook page. Oh, you did? Oh, good. I did. Yeah, I did the wrong Satellite Sisters Facebook page because I have 476 friends over there and I'm going to keep up with them. Oh, instead of the thousands we have in our Facebook group? Okay. Well, I... Yep. Yep. Just... Yep. Everyone seems to be getting on this. Have you guys noticed that, like, all of your friends are reposting old photos of you? They're popping up all over the place as people redo their own timeline. I've had to approve quite a few photos of me this week on other people's Facebook pages. So I... being a little bossy though you know first they have this you know you you know this whole new timeline and then they came out and they were trying to tell employers that you know people didn't have to turn over their passwords i mean who you know who made facebook master of the universe right we we did julie (laughs) we did by using it you know as they always say in their public statements it's free if you don't want to use it you don't have to it's free and it's voluntary (laughs) much like this podcast and (laughs) (laughs) that's true liz Sometimes I just, I just bristle at, at the, them being the boss of the world. That's okay. The- no, I, I, I agree with you there. Okay, two other quick um, mailbag notes. First of all, Mary M., uh, on last week's show, I was talking about how much I love AAA because I had had two encounters with them in a single week. She also had a flat tire this week and was posting her love of AAA. Mary, I just wanted you to know that yesterday morning, again, having been gone all week, I went down to start my car on Saturday morning, Deadsville. Dead battery again. So three AAAs in a single month, I think, is a new record for me. I think they cut you off at some point, but I don't know what that point is. Yeah. I think you're allowed, like... I think that's the point where you get a new battery, or you figure out what is is, is draining the battery. Yeah. I think I figured it out. I think I'm leaving my phone... I think I'm leaving my phone charger plugged in, even though there's nothing being charged, but it is still draining the battery. There you go. So uh, I'm going to try to make that small behavioral change and see if that fixes the problem. And then last thing, this is Glenn Brown, who quote, who posts quite a bit on the Satellite Sisters group page now. Uh, he has a civility issue that he posted. And he wanted this to be our civility challenge for the week. So let's do a little, like, round the horn on this. Uh, he said, I have a civility issue here. Excessive and or loud group talking in a quiet, shared environment can be very annoying. To speak softly when you're in a group in a shared environment, like a computer lab, a store, you know the places. So let's weigh in. Leon, do you have a, any, a, a rule on excessive or loud group talking when you intercede, when you just let it go? You know, Liz, it doesn't happen very often with me because I work home alone. But um, the other day I was, uh, it's funny you should mention this, because I've been contemplating putting my gym membership on hold because I'm just not going as much. (laughs) But there I was, like, lying in yoga class at my gym and thinking, I really enjoy this class. I should just make the effort to come more and then I won't feel guilty about the monthly payments. And the next thing you know, Liz, outside my door were three people Outside the yoga room door, three people apparently just screaming, just screaming at each other in the gym, could not be louder. They, it was like a trainer and two clients screaming outside the yoga room. 
And right then and there, I go, I'm quitting this freaking gym. And I walked right out of that yoga room. I didn't say anything to the screamers, and I quit the gym. So it was, it was just my policy. <laughs> it was the sign that you needed. Sheila, do you have any, any rules well, on how to deal with excessive uh, or, or loud group talking? I, th- I think the sisters can hardly be the arbiters of quiet talking because we're all really loud talkers. <laughs> I mean, okay. it's really hard for us to control ourselves when we're in a small group, mm-hmm. is it not? Mm-hmm. True, true. Do you have any rules you use with your third graders, like when they're in the library or ways to get the group to quiet down? Oh, what, yeah. There's, what, there's what does a, Ms. Dolan say to get a group to quiet well, down? Well, it's not what you say. It's how you look at them. And oh. I feel uh, like this works with adults, too. Because when I'm in a movie theater, I do not want to be disturbed. And I just turn and I glare. I glare mm-hmm. and I give, I give them a dirty look. Mm-hmm. And that usually, that usually quiets kids down. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Julie, any recent experience with excessive or loud group talking? I'm, see, I'm all, maybe it's my age because I'm the oldest sister and I just frankly don't care anymore. I'm into confrontation. That's my new thing. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy confrontation. I don't feel any reason to hold back these days. And so if I hear loud talking, I go over and nicely say, could you keep your voices down? You're speaking too loudly. I just jump right in. That's my advice. Okay. All right. Well, I had a little bit of an experience this week because I spent a lot of time on airplanes. And as you sisters know, because you've flown with me, I am a proud owner of noise-canceling headphones. And I put them on the moment I get on the plane. Like, they haven't even started the engines yet. I've still got my noise-canceling headphones on. And I take them off at the last possible minute. And on my flight out of town last Sunday night, there were these two guys in front of me that I could hear every word they were saying even through my noise-canceling headphones. Oh, my gosh. So, so how, really? Yes. So how loud do you... It was like two colleagues seated next to each other on the flight. Oh. And yeah, it was so obnoxious. It is so obnoxious. But it, it is, is obnoxious. So confrontation, Liz? No, that no, no. I didn't, but I don't, I don't want to personally... In, in that environment, I feel like the flight attendants are in charge. Yes. You know? Yes. And it was, a, it was a night flight. So at the point where they were like wrapping up the dinner and starting to turn off the lights. As the flight attendant took away my tray, I said, excuse me, could you just mention to those two guys that they're awfully loud now that we're all going to fall asleep? And she happily did that, and it quieted them right down. So I, I felt like everybody won in that situation. But it's clearly, if I can hear you through noise-canceling headphones, that is way too loud. So, so Glenn, there you go. We all have different ways of dealing this, with this. There's the second-party intercession. There's confrontation. There's just... Just leave appears to be Liam's. Just quit. Just quit. <laughs> quit your job, Glenn. And, and, and Liam's got the gla- and Sheila's got the glare going on. So four very different solutions from four different satellite sisters. I, I hope we have satisfied your question. Uh, okay, moving on. Um, Sheila, you weren't on the show last week. What, what's been going on in your life recently? Oh, well, what's been going on? Uh, just working really hard, of course. And um, but I want to tell you about my new neighbors. Uh, you know, I live in a very uh, pretty two-story apartment house in, in South Pass, and uh, we have a new downstairs neighbor. So <laughs> I noticed right away that they had obviously downsized to their one-bedroom apartment because all I could say is uh, from the look of their furniture, their outdoor patio furniture, now there's very small patios. 
downstairs. <laughs> These were like real housewives of Palo Alto. <laughs> really? <laughs> who, have, who have moved to a one-bedroom. It is so funny. It's giant furniture everywhere. I mean, they have these giant hurricanes. They have stuffed about, you know, they have the oversized couches, the pillows, the hurricanes outside in their garden. It's like planters that belong in a museum. I mean, it's like... So you're so you're thinking maybe they used to have a very large private home. Yes, now- they had a villa. They had a villa. <laughs> they have planters that are so big they donated them to the building. I mean, they couldn't fit. Of course, they have a Weber grill that's just taking up. It's practically blocks the walkway to the laundry room. I mean, it was like. <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine what's inside the apartment. They have stuffed so much outdoor furniture into the space. It is crazy. So have you been over with, like, the welcome wagon? Did you bring some cookies? They don't need anything, Julie. (laughs) I mean... They might need a welcome. Clearly, they're going through a hard time. They are going through a hard time. Yes, I feel for them. But, I mean, it's just, like, ginormous furniture and hurricanes... And planters everywhere. It's hysterical. It's so funny. It makes me laugh thinking about when you moved from New York City to Leon's guest bedroom in Pasadena all those years ago. <laughs> that essentially, I helped you on the New York end, and we just used the U.S. Postal Service to mail what you had. <laughs> no, you had so so few possessions that we could just go to the post office and put it all in the mail in a box. In a box. Well, I, I'm still a minimalist, but I mean, the pieces I have are thankfully. I I have pieces now instead of boxes, but these people, I mean, these poor folks, and they're just like spilling over with oversized planters. It's hysterical. Um, well, let me know if they have a yard sale. It sounds, <laughs> sounds like I could use some stuff. Okay. And the other thing I've been up to, you know, I've been, you know, I've been working so hard, so I try to treat myself. The, the manny, the petties. I have a new nail salon, but Leon. You had mentioned, you know, um, I was thinking I had to go to this baby shower, and I wanted to upgrade. I wanted to, like, have my hair blown out for the baby shower because it's one of my best friends from work. So I uh, took your suggestion, and I went over to the mini mall uh, where I spend, I would say, if I work and watch TV, like, three quarters of my life, (laughs) I would say the other quarter of my life is spent at this mall. I mean, yes. I pretty much go to the Vons supermarket there twice a day. So I go in the morning to get my coffee and my lunch, and then I go back at night just to look around. (laughs) (laughs) And then then there was that grocery clerk who sort of came on to you, so maybe you're hoping to run into him again? (laughs) Right, right. Then I go, I now treat myself. It's all treats. Um, I go to the, say this three times fast, Zushi Shushi. (laughs) Zushi. Zushi Sushi, the Zushi Sushi restaurant, I'd say two to three times a week, Uh just to treat myself at the end of a a long day. Um, And then, of course, there's the grumpy, because I'm a teacher, I'm always getting my shoes done over, the grumpy shoe guy, Leanne. Yeah, he's been there a hundred years, right, the shoe fixer, the meanest man in Pasadena. (laughs) But then you told me about the $18 blowout. Right. At the, at the Hair Plus salon there. <laughs> I have no idea what the name of that salon is. Well, I, I would should be called Hair Minus because there's nothing there. 
That's plus. <laughs> I'll tell you the one thing. The price, you cannot beat it, $18. Right. Because uh, Southern California is the land of the overjacked hair blowout prices. I mean... Uh, well, we've even gotten emails, Sheila, that when we've referred to the blowout, there are satellite sisters in America that aren't exactly clear what we're talking about. We're talking about just going in and having your hair styled, right? Right. And the blowout bar in Southern California is like the new manicure joint, right? Yes. Blowout yes. bars are now sprouting next to all of the nail salons and all of the yoga studios. So if you're in the rest of America... The blowout phenomenon is coming your way. That is my prediction. Gro- growth industry is the blowout bar. Yes, but it's all very precious. Those places don't open till 11. Hair minus or hair plus <laughs> opens at 8.30 on Saturday. You cannot beat that. that no. is, that's excellent. That's... And, and Okay, so I want to recommend Steve. I'll just tell you the features of Steve. Steve um, washes your hair with rubber gloves. Yes, people... <laughs> That's personal. That is personal. I mean, and and that really makes me feel good because when people scratch my scalp, strangers, you just don't know what bits of skin could be. Okay. 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 He uses about 15 clips to clip up your hair and there is no section of wet hair. I mean, you know the random pieces that people usually take and just start blowing? No, no, no. Steve has 18 clips in your hair. He starts with the smallest amount to blow out. And I have short hair. By the end of it, it is so volumized, you cannot believe it. It is fantastic. I mean, he he clipped up every piece of hair he could and sectioned it off in about 25 sections. It was excellent. So how, uh, long this, how long did uh, your blowout last, Sheila? 25 minutes in and out. My hair is still blown up from yesterday. <laughs> I had teasing. I had hairspray. In a box or something like that? <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I am going back on a weekly basis. It is excellent. I told you, it is like the hidden secret in Pasadena because women have very expensive hairdressers, but this is where they go. Like on Saturday afternoon, that place is packed with Pasadena women getting their hair blown out for the benefit oh, yeah. Saturday Good night. Tip. So that's it. I mean, I'm, yeah. that mall is my life. I mean, I'm, I'm all over that. <laughs> I'm just telling you this. I'm telling you this is someone who's been through it. Do not ever let them cut your hair in there. Okay. Oh, no, never, never. Do, you kidding? do not get sucked in. No matter how desperate? No matter how desperate, it is not going to be good. They just That's let them like stick with the clips and the blow dryer and yeah. do not let them take the scissors out. And the rubber gloves. Yes. So that's it. That's my week. <laughs> that is a very full week, Sheila. I can tell. <laughs> that's a full week. <laughs> you, you've been busy. Well, I was busy this week. I actually, last Sunday, we recorded a show, right? And then Sunday night, I got on a plane to Spain. Uh, and if you're thinking, wasn't I already in Spain once this month? You would be correct. That is correct. This is how poorly my life is planned, my work life, that I was in Spain about two weeks ago in Madrid and that I needed to go back to Barcelona this week. Which I, and I don't mean to complain because Barcelona is one of the best cities ever. I mean, it's oh, just, wow. it is so beautiful, so lovely, it's right on the Mediterranean. Um, it is, and I hadn't really spent any time there since many years. Like, I realized 
the Barcelona Olympics were 20 years ago. Can 20 be- years ago, Liz. Can you believe that? Lee and no. you and I were both at the Barcelona Olympics yep. because we were working there. Um, and the city looks... Remember how beautiful Barcelona looked in 1992? It looks even better now. Yes. It's just beautiful and clean and right on the sea and ancient things and new things. Anyway, really great. So I had, I was having a meeting that I had organized. It was people, you know, I work in marketing for an international television channel group. So we were having a big meeting um, in Barcelona because something else was going there at the same time. And I invited a few extra people from my team who were in South America to also meet. Anyway, so we ended up having like 75 people at this meeting in Barcelona. What we had not counted on, uh, the meeting was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We had not counted on the fact that Thursday, when we were ending early, ending at 4 p.m. so that everybody in Europe could fly home the same day, well, Thursday was also a general strike in Spain. Maybe you saw that on the news? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, yes. I saw that. Yeah. You know, so the rioting and the fires and everything else. Well, yes, it was light rioting, Julie. It was just sort of, uh, it was kind of made for TV rioting. And I don't mean to diminish the concerns of the people who were doing, like burning the trash cans and things like that. So what happened is it was clear on Thursday that nobody was going to be able to go home that all of the people that were supposed to get on a plane that day, they were stuck there. And uh, so I needed to kind of improvise a plan for, like, what do you do with 75 people in a city when there's a little bit of light rioting going on out there and and, and places are closed? So by sheer happenstance, two of the most junior people on the team who had come to this meeting – uh, Rodrigo and Martin from the Buenos Aires office. They are web designers who work on my team, but in Argentina. And they never get invited to anything. You know, they're just web designers <laughs> in Argentina. So I, so I had decided it would be fun as sort of a team building thing to include Rodrigo and Martin in this meeting. Oh, nice. Thank you very much. I try to, I try to be a good boss, but here's the funny thing. They arrive. The hotel we were in was completely packed. So instead of getting a normal room, the front desk says to Rodrigo Martin, who just arrived on the overnight flight from uh, Argentina, would you two guys mind sharing a room? We'll upgrade you, but you're going to have to share a room. And, you know, they've never been on a business trip anyway. So they, uh, they're like, oh, okay, whatever. The hotel ends up putting them in a four-bedroom, two-story penthouse at the, very, <laughs> at the very top of the hotel. So you can imagine what that would be like if you were, like, on your first business trip ever. <laughs> oh, my God. And you score the uh, four-bedroom, two-story penthouse. Like, the second day, they kind of sheepishly told me this uh, because they just they felt guilty that they had the good room and uh, they just wanted people to understand. They were, it was the same price in, in case people heard. They had, like, the... The, the spiral staircase in the room and the grand piano in the room. So, so on Thursday night, when we had kind of no plan, I improvised by just inviting everyone there for tapas. I figured, like, we've got a huge penthouse. Let's make the most of it, people. So I said, we'll just meet there for drinks and some hors d'oeuvres, and then we'll figure out what the dinner plan is. Again, taking 75 people out to dinner it's never, never easy. So, so everyone shows up. They're all invited for 7 p.m. at Rodrigo's penthouse. And by 8 p.m., we're, it's pretty busy up there. And then the hotel starts calling around and saying, you know, there is quite a bit of activity out on the streets. So we don't 
suggest that people leave the hotel tonight. So now we have 75 people in the, <laughs> in the penthouse, and nobody's eating dinner or anything. So everyone's like, okay, Liz, is it okay? And I'm the boss. They're like, is it okay if we call, just call room service <laughs> for dinner? And I'm like, really? For 75 people, we're, <laughs> we're going to call room oh service? God. But you know what? It's just one of those rare opportunities to really go with the flow of the night. So all night, we were like... going to be telling your boss? (laughs) Oh, I can only imagine. Well, it was kind of a safety situation at that point, Julie. That's what I will be telling my boss, that the the sensible thing to do was for everyone to just hunker down in a single room and just fend for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like every hour or two, someone would come back to me and say, "Uh, Liz, uh, we need more red wine, or we need more of the shrimp tapas, or... (laughs) (laughs) And so, I don't know. I left at 2 a.m. People were still, people were still there. It was the best meeting of all time. I think it will go down. (laughs) Who knows what we actually accomplished during the three days, but on that final night, there was no amount of team building that I could have planned that would have bonded this team better. That is team building times (laughs) times 10. Whatever. Whatever their evaluation forms when they were at the tapas party. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, and then so in the next morning, I just got up and got out of there. I know at some point uh, I will have to send that bill in to the people who are responsible for approving such things. But it just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And uh, it it all came down to safety. So it will be, it's kind of the talk of the company, I think, already. So um, (laughs) Positive solutions, Liz. Oh, is that what it's called, Sheila? Yes. (laughs) Anyway, other than that, it was a a busy, hard week. So I felt like we deserved the tapas on the balcony uh, in Barcelona. And now I'm home again. So I had a crazy, crazy March. But I think the whole month of April, I'm home. And nobody could be happier than me. I did, oh, I did well, feel like I was missing a major week of news. Obviously, the lottery was a big deal. But there was all kinds of other stuff going on in the news this week that I was completely detached from. That's right, Liz. You missed the big Supreme Court three days. This was, you know, this was the case of all cases when the Supreme Court was going to be hearing the arguments for and against Obamacare. So, I mean, the fact that you were not in the country is really amazing. And because you are, I know, you are our Supreme Court Justice. You are our Chief <laughs> Legal Counsel at Saddle. <laughs> I practice some law on the side, just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> just, but, you know, the thing, I had two observations about the week, uh, the Supreme Court week. First of all, because, you know, they are the highest court in the land, you know, and it was, you know, they are some of the smartest people in the land, too, that are on the court. And and that this case has been reviewed by so many lower courts, and now it was finally coming to the, the uh, Supreme Court. They had only audio um, uh, recordings of the actual um, arguments. And what was surprising to me was I just expected it all to be like legal jargon, um, you know, referring to earlier precedent or some arcane bit of law. But really the examples that the Supreme Court justices were using to try to get to the heart of whether whether the Affordable Medical Care Act is, you know, is constitutional or not, were examples such as broccoli, you know, cell phones, funerals. I don't know if you were able to hear I, it. No, I did, well, I didn't hear any of it. I don't understand. What, 
In what contact is broccoli being debated? Well, they were saying, you know, the reason they were saying that the, the individual mandate where you are required to buy life and in, uh, health insurance because that is and that somehow the healthcare industry is different than any other industry and that, you know, you need to do this and that this is supports the whole bill. Well, one of the Supreme Court justices were saying, well, you know, also we know that we have to have a good diet if we want to be healthy. So can the uh, can the government require you to eat broccoli? That essentially was the argument he was posing to the government lawyers. So, hmm. you know, exactly, Liz. Hmm. Hmm. I, that's what I thought too. I I thought I, I prefer I prefer broccolini, but, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was not quite as arcane as you expected. Is that That's, your yes, point, Julie? It was to be very highbrow, and it was pretty. It was pretty much like stuff you might hear on Satellite Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> the level of argumentation, examples that were used, are things that I think we have given as examples. You know, uh, you know, people. Maybe the government should require everyone. Chief Justice John Roberts asked if maybe everyone um, uh, in the country should be required to have a cell phone. Because because a cell phone would help you in the, in the event of an emergency. Again. Okay, that's bogus. Sorry. All right. All right. <laughs> but, all right. Okay, so it was that level. Interesting. But hmm. here's the other part I didn't realize. So that they hear the three days of arguments, and then the Supreme Court justices all get together, and they actually vote on whether they think this, um, the Obamacare is constitutional or not constitutional. The vote is secret. Only the justices are in the room, and only the justices know. They won't announce it to the public until um, late June uh, or July. Uh, June, I guess. June. June. So, but here, I don't believe that they are going to keep that vote secret for another three months because now the justices will work with their law clerks and with their assistants to write, you know, to write up the case. So other people will be involved and other people will obviously know how the justices voted. And I just have a hard time believing that there's not just one person that works at the Supreme Court that isn't going to like come home at night and, you know, call up. Deep their- throat. There's a deep throat. You think <laughs> something more simple, more, more benign than that, Lee, and just call up their mother and say, you are not going to believe how those Supreme Court justices voted. Now you can't tell anyone. You promise you won't tell anyone or, you know, that to tell their husband or their wife or, you know, I mean, or their best friend. And then, uh, you know, once, once their best friend knows, I mean, it's pretty amazing that, and they say they never have leaks in, at the Supreme Court. Yeah, I was just thinking about that as you were describing that scenario. Can you remember any time that it's leaked down in advance? Usually from the arguments, people have a pretty good idea how the vote is going to come out. But that's very interesting. They it could, really- could be like some, yeah, somebody comes home and says to their 24-year-old son, guess what, I'm not going to be able to cover you on my insurance anymore. Right, and then, then that's that's the first clue that it's going in the wrong direction. That would be it, Liz. Yes, yes. Um, but you know, it's just. But they say, unlike other branches of government, that the people that work at the Supreme Court uh, don't, you know, have never leaked in in advance any of the uh, justices' decisions. Huh. Well, I would imagine it's because those justices have jobs for life, and so there's no political or public relation reason to leak. You know, usually those leaks are politically motivated with the Senate or the Congress or the White House. There's some other agenda they're working. And the but Supreme Court justices just that, aren't. But, but if you had a big fat secret like this, Leon, if yeah. you knew this, 
<laughs> wouldn't you? Wouldn't you tell your husband? No, you know what? And they wouldn't ask. I, it's the Supreme Court. I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Does Trem tell you about all the missions he's running? How does that work <laughs> in your house? <laughs> Just see. Okay, once again, my sister is alluding to the fact that she believes that my husband is a CIA agent. <laughs> Just because he works in some unusual countries. Okay, but that is. Uh, really, Julie, it would make an excellent screenplay, though. So you're going to want to get that out before June. Just okay. saying, like, before the leak happens, it's a good concept for a screenplay. Okay. So go, go for it. Turn that around. Okay. All right, you guys, I had a situation this week, and um, it, it, it was it was sort of an unbelievable miracle. And I'll let me backtrack a little bit. I have developed, um, since I've been on a book tour for Ellen of Pasadena. Now, I know, you're like, Leanne, it's been 18 months. Okay, I am still talking every week to somebody about that book in Pasadena in particular. All right. And um, here's the situation, though. I developed what I call book tour face blindness because mm. and what is that i have now met every person in pasadena i think yeah. you know i i mean let's let's remember before i was writing the book i worked on a radio show six days a week or in a closet so my interaction with the local community i realized was fairly limited as soon as i went on a book tour and proceeded to meet every person who lived here in pasadena I, I thought I was really good with faces and names. Now it is just a wash. I walk into rooms and I start to break into a cold sweat because I know I recognize faces, but I have no idea where I know them from. Like, I'm sure we work. I went to your book club. I might've even gone to your house. I don't recall your name. You know, I, people come up to me. Oh, so it's great to see you again. And I always say, yes, I'm Leanne. And they don't respond with their name, which kills me. I'm like, I'm not telling you my name because I think you don't know me. So I just can't put together faces and names anymore. I'm kind of losing my mind because I'm embarrassed. You know, I used to be kind of good at it. So this week I was, um, I, I was at, oh, I was at, I was at our mini mall. I was at our mini mall. Okay. I was at, outside the Vons going from the B of A to the Vons. B of and, A to the Vons. That's one of my trajectories. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I see uh, a familiar face coming towards me. And uh, yeah. I, I'm proactive. Like, I feel like I've got this one. I go, hey, Anne, how are you? And she looks up and I'm out of context for her. So I feel this giant sense of relief, like, oh, finally the tables are turned. I get someone's name and they can't recall where they know me from. And then I say, hey, it's Leanne. Oh, we have a little chit chat. Um, this is a woman who, uh, she has a job in the local government here. And so she has a website and a Twitter feed. And I've, I don't know her super well, but I've run into her at a bunch of things. One recently, I saw her across the room and we didn't connect, but I'm, I'm pretty solid with this one. And then she proceeds to tell me how much she liked the book which I, I feel like she's probably already told me that, but that's very nice. And that she read it when she was in Cyprus last year with her daughters. And, um, she was, she had met, uh, I, I said, Oh, she goes, yes. Cause you know, you know, I'm a professor, an English professor. And, and so I had the summer off and I'm thinking really on top of your big job, you're an English professor. <laughs> uh Oh, 
I think that's incredible. Wow, that she's time for both those things. And <laughs> and I, I said, I made a joke like, oh, did you, I hope you met a really cute archaeologist. And she said, well, it was a woman. And I was like, okay, so you, you play for the other team. I didn't really know that about you. Okay, all right. And I'm, I'm just moving along and with this whole conversation, trying to take it all in. And, uh, and then, you know, I have to go to the Vaughn. She used to go to the banks. So we say, okay, good seeing you, Anne. You know, I make a point to say her name and we walk away. But the whole time I'm thinking, huh, I wonder where she teaches, like on top of everything she does. So I come home and I check her website and the picture staring out at me is not the person I saw. Oh, the- <laughs> oh no. Uh, even I try like squinting. I try thinking, well, maybe she got her hair cut. I'm like, dang it. Now, this is the problem. Now I have no idea who that was. <laughs> I cannot put it together at all. I'm like, how do I know her? I know she's, I just cannot bring all the pieces together. And I called her the wrong name twice at the beginning of the conversation. That's impressive. That's it's, very impressive. And maybe it's coincidental. Yeah. Maybe her name is Anne, too. Do you think that? Julie, her name is Anne, too. You're uh, yes, kidding. Because an hour later, I'm walking the dog, and I went, oh, my God. Now I know where that woman is. She's my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a bad case. Of- <laughs> and her name is Anne. Oh, thank God. Oh, that's a, that's a miracle. What are the chances of that? <laughs> I mean, how many Anne's do you know? It's not like Barbara. There are a million Barbara's or Judy's, I've learned. Anne, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was so relieved, but I was like, I, this is a bad sign. I hope I can get my act together with this face blindness because I am really going to get in trouble. Well, I, I saw the episode on 60 Minutes about face blindness. This was just a few weeks ago. Maybe it was yeah. a repeat, but I was worried that maybe I was beginning to develop it too. But then I've never been good at remembering You've people. You've never been good no, with that. No, so I'm just worse than I ever was. Yeah. Uh, but when you see the people that actually have it, it is pretty shocking that they can look at their own children and not recognize them. Yeah. They just have, that hasn't happened to me yet. Okay. <laughs> yes. I think it will be clear to us when that begins to happen. Yeah. But uh, We can uh, sew some labels on a clothing <laughs> with them just to help you out. It's just bad. It's just embarrassing. So that was uh, just a huge social gaffe. Now I know she's a professor, though. I didn't know that. <laughs> I really feel like I got to know my new neighbor, Anne. <laughs> well, I just go back to one of the original Satellite Sisters episodes we did. Julie, that first year when we started, when you were still living in Thailand, you were living in Bangkok, Thailand, when we started Satellite Sisters, and you actually proposed a holiday that you called National Name Tag Day. Do you remember yeah. that? I do, Liz. I felt like we just one day of year, everyone could wear a name tag. And so you know how you walk around and you're talking to people and you don't and can't remember their names, but it's now too late or, you know, you're gone too far with them to ask their name again. You would have, you know, that day of reprieve where you yeah, could yeah. Like actually whoop, get a hold on their name. Like just, I, I think that would be a big help. So just like a name catch up. I think that would be, maybe April 1st should be that day, the Satellite Sisters anniversary. <laughs> we can sort of repurpose that into National Name Tag Day. Okay. <gasps> I like that. I like that very much. Hey, Julie, we only have a few minutes left here or else our our time's going to run out. But I wanted to, first of all, clarify something. I said on the Chaos Chronicles podcast, we took a vote. 
we said, uh, the Chaos Crew and I, no to colored jeans for women over 40. But Julie Dolan, then I went to lunch. You were rocking colored jeans. Colored you looked fantastic in those blue jeans. Sheila, you would have been really proud of her. I, I, this is, this is, I want every woman, particularly women over 40, to go out and get yourself a pair of colored jeans. <laughs> I think they're really fun, okay? Just I know all the magazines keep telling us we're supposed to do that. I just I, can't I, imagine it. I did it, Liz, and I love it. And I think you all can do it. Just, you cannot, I have turquoise blue. So you can wear any other color, okay? <laughs> I claim that color. You just get your own, get your own colors. But yes, Liz, I think you'd look really cute in a pair of red jeans. And Sheila, I think you could do, do a purple number. What do you think? I think we've lost Sheila. I, I see her. I think it's a sign that we're running out of time. Okay. Oh, Sheila dropped off. Oh, that's Annabelle Needle has gone from the menu of people. She's gone back to the mini mall. I think that's where it is. But yes, Leanne, and I think you would look lovely in a little light pink number. So I, go out, get the jeans. You go back to your chaos crew and you tell them that they, they're wrong. They, it's yeah. get, everybody should get a pair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe on that note, we're wrapping up. Uh, happy anniversary, sisters. Happy anniversary. <laughs> yeah, happy anniversary. Let's go celebrate. This, this many years, it's hard to believe. Still at it. Satellite sisters. So uh, remember, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Sat Sisters. On, uh, on Facebook, there's a Satellite Sisters Facebook page that Leon secretly maintains. And then there's the Satellite Sisters group, which is much larger with... And that's the one where we always post the shows. There are other things going on there. Feel free to go back and forth. Really, if you're part of the group, go join the page just to make Liam feel better. Okay? And, uh, I'm, happy, I'm happy the way it is, Liz. I'm, okay, just I'm a smaller happy. subset. Uh, and if you have questions or things you would like us to address in coming shows, the Satellite Sisters Facebook group is a perfect way to – a perfect – place to post those questions so all right sisters have a good week Uh, all right Liz enjoy don't forget call your satellite sister